0: This morning's Bible reading comes from 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the Church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive, we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted in answer to the prayers of many.
1: Good morning, good to be with you and be able to share God's word. Um, just before we look to the Bible and see what God wants us to hear this morning, let's, ha- let's have a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with heart full of gratefulness for your blessings and mercies in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for uh, our ability to gather here in public in this place as a family. We thank you for a a sunny day and uh, we can come and share with each other what what you are going to tell us as well as our fellowship. Lord, my prayers for everyone here and even those online. To be prepared to listen to you not as human wisdom or message but hear your word and my prayer for myself as i'm speaking these words it will be your truth lord as it's transmitted through me as a frail human being i pray lord my weaknesses and my shortcomings will not affect what you want us to hear in jesus name i pray amen The title of my talk today is Encouragement in Times of Difficulties. It's coming from the 2nd Corinthians, first part, God's willing, coming times we might continue to go through 2nd Corinthians. Um, 2nd Corinthians is a very specific and special letter. It's written by Paul to a church in Corinth, and it is peculiar in many aspects, but I just want to tell you that what you are going to hear is coming through the lens of my personal experience so it's highly personal for me and lots of the experiences i will share with you from the message uh, has been for me very real Uh, so uh, i'm not apologizing for that but i want you to know that it's god's word but filtered through me as a person Just before we get into the subject, uh, it might feel a bit heavy and it is uh, at times if you are going especially through, through difficult times now. I just thought to share with you that we are living in a wonderful world. And uh, I, I love traveling. It's, uh, it has been my joy recently since retirement and being, having enough time to travel over many places around the world, but it's a wonderful world. When you travel, whether overseas or locally, or even to the park next door, God is great. He, he created a wonderful world with creation, with people who are given talents to develop culture, arts, music, uh, architects. It's just wonderful. Uh, can never forget the words of Lou Armstrong, What a Wonderful World, for those old timers. Probably remember this song. But as you know anything about this song and this wonderful world, Lou Armstrong sang What a Wonderful World about trees and lots of things. But he actually sang it in the context of racial tension. Which brings us to the point that this wonderful world is broken by sin. We live in a world broken by sin. And as wonderful as it is, as God created it, lots of wrong things happen, lots of bad things happen. There are external things uh, like, you know, uh, floods, bushfires, earthquakes, uh, volcanoes, lots of things that can happen wrong in this wonderful world and people suffer and die. Uh, We go through our external difficulties with the world struggling, through finances, uh, through other people hurting us, uh, through relationships that's broken and cause us lots of harm and pain. Wars is is something we have been seeing all along, and lots of people suffer as a result of that, get displaced, lose dear ones. And also we, as everybody else, go through the, st- the stages of life where we age and our body aches, and different parts of our bodies just start to suffer. And at the end, this life is not eternal, it's mortal. So our body at the end gives way to death. So life has difficulties and challenges. Some of the difficulties can be common to everybody, But there are certain difficulties come if you want to follow Jesus and live a life that's pleasing to him. You might lose relationships as a result of that. You might get attacked by people around you who don't like the way of Jesus. (coughs) And even within families, it can be broken because uh, you want to follow Jesus and they don't see that as a good thing. (coughs) As a result of all that, We suffer, and I would like to mention here that the physical, external, and many other sufferings do impact our mental condition. And we feel heavy, we feel tired, we feel depressed, even as Christians. When something goes wrong and we lose a dear member of a family, we grieve, we cry, and sometimes we feel there is no point of living anymore. <clears throat> I guess what I'm trying to say, it is part of being a human, is to go through difficult times and trials. We see uh, Jesus himself as a perfect human. He cried at time of sadness. He cried when he saw people crying. There was time where Jesus was praying in the garden before the cross, and he, he was in in, in in very difficult condition. The Bible couldn't tell us exactly like how deep the pain and the agony was. And he says, you know, the, his sweat was like blood. Of course, it's not physical, but it, it there is no depth to explain how Jesus was in agony at that time. <clears throat> if we look at the Psalms. The psalms are full of atle- probably, or most of them in the first part, when the psalmist is going through difficult times. He complains from the enemies. He complains from the attacks. And it looks like God has left him. And I just want to read one verse. Oh God, why have you rejected uh, uh, us forever? Why does your anger smolder against Uh, your sheep. Of course, we thank God that as most of the psalms, as you continue, you see that the, the view changes. But the point is, this is real pain. This is real pain. We don't know how long did it take the psalmist from move to the pain, to the joy. It could be minutes, hours, days, months. We don't know. But it is real. We go through difficult times. I just want to share with you, Uh, besides Jesus, the Psalms, uh, a very famous uh, preacher, Charles Spurgeon, Uh, he's called the Prince of uh, Preachers in the 19th century, he says these words, I am the subject of depression of spirit, so fearful that I hope none of you ever get such extreme righteousness as I go. That's a man of God. His sermons are still quoted by so many preachers till today. But he was going through these difficult times. So I want to encourage you, if you at times now or maybe at times in the past, going through difficult times, it's okay. It's part of being human. It's not because God actually forsaken you, but at times you feel as if he did. Now we come to Paul uh, in this letter. <coughs> Paul in this letter uh, said a few things that are really hard. In verse eight he says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia just listen to the coming word and, and think about you, a counselor on one of those blue, uh, blue lines, listening to somebody claiming, and what you will tell them. He says this, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despair of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Can you imagine somebody already sentenced to death? He's waiting in the prison for his execution. That's how Paul felt. If you said that to your doctor, he'll probably send you an antidepressant right away, the highest dose. And I'm not undermining what medicine does to us or denying the need for help. But what I'm saying is, God's people, and in this instance, Paul went through very, very, deep and low points of agony, depression, and sadness. Why I'm sharing that? Because Paul wants us today to see his reality, what he went through, and what God did with him and for him. And that's why I'm sharing this, because it is a message of encouragement. It is a message of encouragement that God's people went through in the past and Paul is sharing it with us in this letter, so we might follow his footsteps and be encouraged. So really it is a message of encouragement for all of us, not denying or minimizing the difficulties we might go through. A background, why Paul uh, said this word, what's happened? Uh, Paul established a church in a town called Corinth in Greece, modern Greece, and uh, he spent a year and a half in this church. So obviously the church grew. When he went to Corinth the first time, uh, at first he went to the synagogue to the Jews. They rejected him, so he expanded his mission in Corinth to the Gentiles. Uh, And as he started his ministry, God blessed it and the church grew and it was a well-established church. Then Paul moved on after a year and a half and left uh, apparently a very healthy and strong church. After he left, a few things started to happen in the church. There are some group of people, Christians, uh, uh, Jews who became Christians, uh, they are called, sometimes, Judaizers. They are Jew, Jews' background and they became Christians. But they have an issue with what, 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 what Paul was preaching, what is called uh, the gospel of grace. Their issue was, uh, as they lived all their life as Jews, well uh, taught and established in the Old Testament and God's purpose and so on, and they believed in the Messiah to be Jesus Christ but they saw that as connected to their old Jewish ways. So, they, their, their expectation was anybody who wants to become a Christian, he must, of course, go through the Jewish practices and the law of Moses and then accept Jesus as the anticipated Messiah. Uh, while Paul, and th- that's another issue covered in a letter to Galatians and uh, endorsed by Jerusalem council that Gentiles don't have to comply to be Jews first, and that's symbolic by circumcision, to become Christians. They can just accept the full and complete work of Christ on the cross to receive full forgiveness. They don't have to do their part of becoming Jews Jews first. So there was a strong opposition to the gospel of grace as Paul was preaching. So as soon it looks like he left uh, Corinth, some of those came to the city and started to attack attack what Paul was preaching. So that's kind of the main thing. But there are a few things happening in the church uh, that broke uh, uh, Paul's heart. First, the church was predominantly Gentiles, people who knew nothing about the Old Testament, about the discipline, how to worship God, about the uh, uh, reverence in, in, in worship to God. So they came Gentiles from all pagan kind of worships of different types, all backgrounds, and they all became Christian and sit down in the church. And as we expect, it has been a messy church. Everybody trying to do his own things his way. It was noisy. Even spiritual gifts were practiced in a in not a disciplined way. Uh, there are lots of problems inside going to courts and uh, moral failure, adultery, and the church is doing nothing about it. So it was a messy church at the least. But what broke Paul's heart, I think most of all, is the people turned against him. Those teachers who came to uh, uh, undermine the gospel that Paul was preaching, one of their uh, uh, you know, m- uh, methods or strategies is to attack Paul as a person. And politicians do that all the time. Once you discredit a politician or a, mess- or a messenger or a minister, you actually discredit whatever he says, whatever he does. So they started attacking Paul, all uh, character attacks. He changes his mind, he kind of uses deception in his dealings, he says uh, yes, but he actually does no. He's actually not a good preacher, he doesn't preach very well, Uh, he, he goes away and he's unable to come and confront the opposition, so he writes harsh letters, but he's too coward to come. They started to attack Paul personally in his character and in his message. The sad part, it looks that the church was kind of deceived by these false teachers. They kind of turned against Paul. They kind of believed all these things against Paul. So I am sure that broke Paul's heart. And I am sure anybody's doing anything in ministry, if he feels that's happening, that breaks the heart. So that's kind of the very uh, brief background of what happened in, in, in Corinth. The amazing thing is, Paul did not give up on them. He still sent them letters, he cares about them. He did not feel, you know, you betrayed me, you stabbed me in the back, so you can do whatever you want, follow those teachers, let's see where you'll go, no. He kept caring about them, sending letters, and sending people to them, and in his care, Actually, he still sees them as God's people. So he called them the saints. The people belong to God. And he sees in them, as we will see later and many other places, that he still sees the part full in the cup. That God has changed their hearts. They are not uh, you know, totally lost. God still worked and is still working in their life. So he write this letter. Uh, to share so many things, of course defend himself, and he said things about himself, looks like, he says, I'm like, you are making a fool by defending myself in things I shouldn't say, but you are putting me in this difficult situation. But that's later in the letter. So in this passage, in the 11 uh, verses we have, Paul (coughs) is telling them how he is still going on. How God encouraged him in spite of the whole opposition and things that broke his heart. And that's a message I think I want to share with you. In spite of all the difficulties which, cannot, which should not be undermined or minimized, God can and will take us through. Not just to endure, but actually to have victory. And that's what I want us to get out from these verses. The first thing that helped Paul is remember who God is to you. Remember who God is to you. And he starts right away in verses two. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father. And verse three, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, and the God of all comfort. When we look at ourselves, we kind of generate self-pity and blaming everybody else and blaming God and blaming ourselves. But Paul is encouraging us to look up to him and remember, remember you are the sons of a father who is God. (coughs) We remember God is not only the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's also our father, he's my father, he's your father. Well, the word father may not be that great to some of us if they didn't have uh, a healthy relationship with their earthly father or parents. Uh, And that's sad because fatherhood as God intended it, and as he shows it to us in the Bible, is a, a relationship of greatest love, greatest care, greatest protection, greatest providing for all needs. And the Father is a symbol of power. He will stand by me, He will carry me when things get tough. That, that, that's the connotation of Father as Paul uses it. He is the source of all comfort, compassion. The, the Father, the Father, is used to mean the source so the, the Satan is the father of all lies. He produces all lies. Our father is the source of every comfort and compassion. We have several words, 18 words uh, in the letter to express this idea synonymous to Comfort, compassion, encouragement, they are used in different ways and in translations translated in different ways based on the context. But really they are synonymous saying the same thing. God is the one who is comforting, encouraging and so on. Now this word again is used in, uh, in John, the Gospel of John and translated com- uh, comfortable, com- uh, the comfort, counselor, Advocate, and it's referring to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a comforter, is a counselor. It reflects that when God comforts us, he doesn't do like the other people, it will be all right, it's a small problem, get on with your life, get, you know, be strong. That's not the kind of comfort God does. God's comfort is like a lawyer or a counselor who stands by you through the most difficult trial. And actually he's a lawyer and a judge. So he is the one with power, not just giving words that are meaningless. So when God is our comforter, and is using the Holy Spirit to be his agent in comforting us, he's actually giving us strength to endure and go through the difficulty which may not go away, but we have the advocate, we have the lawyer through the trial who will take us through. My friend, God himself is a comforter, he is the source. But how God does that is something we should think about and it will show through the letter. He comforts us by his Holy Spirit in our hearts. He speaks to us directly through his word. But there is another source of comfort God uses. It's you and me. We have a a person in the New Testament, his name was Joseph, but he was called by the church or the brothers Barnabas. And Barnabas means the son of encouragement. God wants you and me to be Barnabas to each other. And that's coming from God, the source of encouragement. But he's using you and me to be a channel of his comfort. We should never underestimate the strengths we get from each other as a church family, as a church community. We may not be living this at the right level as we come on Sundays and leave, and after that there is no connection. I know some of us might be old timers, you have grown up together and from childhood and so on, and they are in contact with each other. But actually we all as a church, we should be a community. Community in the sense we have opportunities to share time together, to share life together, and be encouragement to each other. We allow God to be, uh, that allowing us to be the channels to comfort each other. And that's exactly what Paul did to the Corinthians and they did to him. <clears throat> when you look up, In Psalms, in Psalm 121, one and two, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My friend, our lawyer is not a weak one. Is not goes to the court case, well, 50-50. Our lawyer is a judge. He's the most powerful. He's on that carrying you as a father. So remember, when you are in difficult times, you have this lawyer with you. You have a father that's carrying you. What God does to you, recognize what God does to you. So, what God is doing to you, in 2 Corinthians 1, <coughs> Two and three, grace and peace to you, uh, <coughs> uh, to, to you from God our Father and the Lord of the Jesus of Jesus Christ. Uh, sorry, uh, one eight. We do not want you to be uninformed, brother and sister, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. So this is external problems to to Paul from outside, and then there is another source of problems. That comes from uh, inside, and that's a part of the thorn in the flesh. Uh, it's, it's simply Paul is saying, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me." So trouble or difficulty can also be internal something God left in us, whether it was a sickness or whatever, but it's internal and it's causing Paul a great agony. And the answer here, God, no, I'm not going to lift it up, but I'm with you, I'm with you. So whether it's external or internal and Paul has his share of both of them, God is with him. You see what's happening here, God is using the trial and difficulties to develop in Paul a different character, a better character. The difficulties, as we have read here, is is developing a character that endure difficulties. Learns patience. Learns to be on our knee, asking God for help. Learn to live with the difficulty because it allows us more and more to see God's hand in our lives. So he did not lift the thorn because the thorn will keep reminding Paul all the time that he needs God. And when he does that, he sees extra power. He sees his situation much better than without the thorn. So the thorn is kind of a means of allowing God to show his greatness in his life. And Paul accepted that, not without difficulty. Not without lots of prayer, but he got to the point that God is saying, you are actually much stronger with me in the difficulty, rather than you without the difficulty and feeling free. All these lessons shape our character. That reminds me of, I had a, an injury in my knee, and one of the ways out was physiotherapy. And in physiotherapy, most of it is exercise. exercise. When you exercise, when you have pain, it's not pleasant. You sweat, you throw through pain. But that's a way of having a healthier knee. And we accept that from our physiotherapists and doctors. Why can't we accept it from God? And God says, this is my way. I allow you to go through difficulty so you become stronger. You become uh, able to withstand in the difficult times. And that brings us to the next point is then God uses you, then God uses you. You see what's happening is we cannot work to serve God unless our characters are in that position. We are able to help others. So God allows us to go through the school of pain and trial and suffering many times because he wants to develop us and we will be more useful as good sharp tools in his hand. What do we do with others? We share with them the strength of character we learned ourselves, we share it with them. So the kind of struggles we went through and how God has used us, taught us, we can share it with others. Not as a theoretical lesson, but as a a swimming coach in the swimming pool with the person who's teaching him how to swim. He's not sitting up there telling them how to swim. He's actually with them in the pool. And we become like that through the difficulty. So what we see in verse 11, in verse four. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So we have learned the lesson, we learned how to swim. I can teach it to others. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. So there is a point, what God doing in us. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. So we saw here God in, uh, produces in us patient endurance. With the same kind of things we learn from God, we can help others to learn patience and endurance. Again, the same thing in verse nine. We might not rely on ourselves, but on God. So we learned in the school of pain and trial how to rely on God and be praying. Now we can share that with others and help them to develop their character the same way. Uh, And he says the same thing, on whom we have set our hope that we will continue to deliver us. And then of course, prayer is part of that. As you help us by prayer, by your prayer, then may we will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. You see here, community is a praying community. Encouraging each other is not empty words. It's from experience. I have seen that, I have gone through that. I experienced God's faithfulness and I can share it with you to help you go through your difficult times. And throughout that, we are praying for each other. And as we pray for each other, prayers are is powerful. God answers a prayer, and when we see God's hand in answering the prayer, no matter which direction it goes, we can all rejoice and praise God together. So you see, if I do it on my own, I pray on my own, I struggle on my own, that's not God's way. God wants us to live as a community, encouraging each other, praying for each other, and enjoying the joy of answer's prayer for any of us. Now, this is for all of you who are followers of Jesus. If you don't feel this is you, maybe you have to consider, I need to get closer to Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. He's the one that can take me through difficulties of this life, which happen all the time. It's a blessing we have, but we have to live it own it wholeheartedly. Not just words we say. Remind each other, remind yourself, who your father is, what's happening in you because he wants to do something in your life. And as he develops you, he wants you to be a blessing and comfort to others. That helped Paul go through the rejection of the church. That helped Paul keep going with his mission day after day, in spite of all the difficulties, in spite of feeling sometimes he's just going to be killed, but he kept going till the last time, the last minute of his life. May God encourage you and me to keep going. Keep going, persevere. See who God is, what he's doing in your life, what he wants to use you for, amen.